Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Apalachicola. We pray that these messages challenge and encourage you. Now let's get into the Word together. We serve a risen Savior. He's not dead, he's surely alive. That's my God. There's a lot of beliefs today, a lot of religions in this world that are serving a dead Savior. They think it's their Savior. We serve a risen Savior, sitting the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Today's message is called From Religion to Relationship. From Religion to Relationship. Here in Matthew chapter 15, you're about to recall an account of Jesus having a little discussion with the Pharisees. You'll find often if you've read the Gospels to know that Jesus had a few discussions with those Pharisees. Stand with you, if you will, to turn your Bibles to chapter 15, verse 1, and let's read the Word of God together. Let's on the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was approached by Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem who asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, Why do you break God's commandment because of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of your father or mother must be put to death. But you say, whoever tells his father or mother whatever benefit you might have received from me is a gift committed to the temple, he does not have to honor his father. In this way, you have nullified the word of God because of your tradition. Hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, listen to this, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching his doctrines, human commands. Wow. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, you are so great and worthy to be praised. We honor you today. We exalt you far above everything else. Father, I pray that you bless this message that you empty me of myself and use me to speak your word and only your truth. The only thing can be said and done here today be your will, Father. Speak to our hearts. Pray that your word would be like a mirror to show us what in ourselves doesn't agree with your character or your word and help us to repent and turn from it and walk from this day forward in your truth and your grace and your character, Father. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, one of the largest issues that I see that plagues the body of Christ today is the idea that believers get so caught up in a checklist of religion that they lost touch with who God is. They feel like they check a box. That's all they have to do week in and week out. You know, being a born-again child of God is so much more than checking off doctrinal religious boxes. I went to church this week. Check. I opened my Bible at least one time this week. 
Check. Prayed at least one time this week. Check. I didn't mess up too bad this week. Check. You know, it sounds silly, but believe it or not, that's what most believers' Christian life looks like every week. If they're honest with themselves. You know, we often like to view ourselves a lot better than we really are. But when we look at ourselves through the eyes of Jesus, and the eyes of His Word, and the eyes of His life, and what He means to us, and what He did for us, our righteousness is as filthy rags. This checklist life may vary slightly from person to person, but for the most part, it's pretty accurate. Bottom line up front, God didn't send His Son to die on a cross to be flogged, to be spat on, to be nailed there just for a checklist. God's desire for us is not to be religious, but to have a healthy, intimate relationship with Him. So what is religion? When I say religion, what do you think about? Merriam-Webster defines it as the, so the service or worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal God or gods. Listen to this. They also call it a personal set of institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, or practices. Institutionalized. Number three of my favorite, scrupulous conformity. Scrupulous. There's a SAT vocabulary word. What does scrupulous mean? Detailed. Great attention to. Detailed conformity. A devout, focused conformity. Now I want you to compare this to the definition of relationship. Relationship is defined as the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected. Or the state of being connected. Can you tell a slight difference? The difference I want you to focus on is the difference between conformity and connection. Conformity and connection. What do you think is meant by scrupulous conformity? Focus with extreme precision to follow and be developed by traditional practices or beliefs. Now what did I just read that Jesus told us about tradition? What do you think he thinks about our traditions? What do you think he thinks about that we sing a certain song after a certain thing and we, do the, we have to do the offering after we do the doxology? The, 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 you know, whatever you have to do, every order has to be that way. What do you think he cares about that? It doesn't matter to him, does it? But it matters a lot to us sometimes. We can get in a tizzy about those things. What do you think Jesus would call us? I can tell you what he called us. Let's read it again. He called you a hypocrite. Let's read verses 6 through 9 of Matthew chapter 15 again. Just to, for clarification. In this way you have nullified the word of God because of your tradition. Verse 7. Hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, verse 8, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They'll worship me in vain, teaching his doctrines, human commands. We as believers are much more than just following a set of rules and regulations. Following just rules and traditions and focusing all our time and effort into that instead of focusing our time and effort into cultivating a healthy, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. The reason why the Pharisees didn't recognize that Jesus was the Messiah was because they had religion without a relationship. 
When you know who Jesus is because you talk with Him every day, when you know who God is because He's not a stranger to you, you know His character because you meditate in His Word and His character is revealed to you through His Word, then when God shows up in the flesh as Jesus Christ, I think you'd recognize Him. But what happened was the Pharisees had religion without relationship. You will not be able to recognize God if you never knew Him. They thought they did. They knew about God. They knew the history that God had brought their nation through, but they didn't know God. So when God showed up, they didn't recognize Him. They just spent their whole time of His three years of ministry trying to prove Him wrong. How many times has God showed up in our lives and we didn't recognize Him? You're saying, well, that didn't happen. Yes, it does. God provides opportunities all the time. We are entertained by angels unaware. And how many times God has presented either Himself, an opportunity to you, and you didn't recognize it? I'm guilty. Plenty of times. Lord, forgive us. This is the frustration that we see time and time again in the Gospels that Jesus had with the Pharisees because He knew their knowledge. And he was basically frustrated. I mean, I'm not just ad-libbing here, but I can just imagine how frustrated Jesus was with these men. Because they had all the knowledge of who God was and yet missed it altogether. How many people does that describe in church today? They know so much, but yet they miss it. He called them hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? Hypocrite in the Greek was described in theater where these men would put on masks and the different mask was a different actor. Hypocrite in the Greek means actor. It means that your mask doesn't match the person behind the mask. And that's what happens. That's what these Pharisees were. On the outside, they looked like they were dressed, they had to dress the part, they spoke the part, they had said beautiful prayers on these street corners and boasted about how much doctrine they knew and how much law they knew and how they could interpret the law. But on the inside, what did Jesus say they were? Full of dead men's bones. They called them vipers. They were, they were had, almost like they had fangs trying to hurt the people of God because of their hypocritical beliefs. Religion doesn't bring salvation. Tradition doesn't bring salvation. The only thing that can bring salvation is a genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the only thing that can bring salvation. The question is that we must ask ourselves today is how is our relationship with God? How is your relationship with God? The most important relationship that you will ever have is between you and God. Above all else, above your spouse, above your friends, above your family, the number one relationship that you will ever have is between you and God. This is why that we were created that way. That's how we were designed. God designed us to have a relationship with Him. Why do you think this world seeks after something to make them feel belong? Because we have a God-shaped hole that we all try to fill. And finally, by the grace of God, I found that thing that can only fit that God-shaped hole, and that's Jesus Christ. There's people in this world that we know personally who have tried to fill that whole world of things. They fill it with drugs. They fill it with alcohol. They fill it with all kinds of... You can put something there. You name it. You know people that have done that. With wealth. It doesn't fit. That's why it doesn't last. It doesn't sustain because it only can be filled and completed by the power 
of the living Christ. Anytime we lose sight of our priorities, about that Jesus being the most important relationship that we should have, anytime we lose that sight of that priority, we commit idolatry. We place something on the altar of our life that we worship in place of God. How many of us today can honestly and truthfully say that our relationship with God is the most important relationship in our life? We'd like to, because we're in church. Right? That because we're here, that means that it's the most important relationship. We could be anywhere else on Sunday, but I chose to be here, so therefore, I'm showing the world that this is my most important relationship. Wow. Really? How vain of us. Recent survey of over 6,000 people they were asked what they believe were the top three keys to a healthy, thriving relationship. You know what they came up with? Honesty, communication, and commitment. That's secular people, folks. Of course, they were thinking about between one another and you know, maybe a romantic relationship or a friendship, but that's powerful. And I think that they did without knowing it because we all have that God-shaped hole God instilled in us an idea of what we think a relationship should be. But why people separate the idea that we should have a relationship with God and they think that he should be someone that's set apart far away from us, that to be only be worshipped, he is to be worshipped with all of our heart and our soul and our mind, but he also desires a relationship to know you in a personal level. How do I know that? Because after, when Jesus said, it is finished, you remember what happened? There was a great earthquake. And there's something in the temple that happened. The veil was torn. You know what that symbolized? Is that we can come boldly and directly before the throne of grace. We don't need an intercessor. We don't need a high priest. Jesus died for us that we might have a relationship with him. He wants to talk with you, to commune with you. He desires that. Number one, honesty. How is our relationship with God? When is the last time you asked yourself this question? Me, as well as all of us, too often are guilty of this and that we just get complacent. We think everything's good. I've arrived. You know, I know a pretty good amount of the Bible. I go to church enough. You know, I pray enough. I'm okay. I'm okay to cruise from now to the rapture. Nothing else I need to do. What a lie that is. If I could take a review of your life and by the words, action, and the amount of time you spend, could I and would I gather that your most important relationship is between you and your Heavenly Father? When I got that question to write down, it hurt. It hurt me. Because it took me a time of reflection on myself and asking, you know, does my time, my words, and my actions, if, I, if I'd ever told anybody I was a Christian, would they know that the most important relationship in my life is Jesus? How often time does work get in the way of that? How often time does your friend get in the way of that? Your family get in the way of that? Would people know that of you? That the most important thing in your life is Jesus? You're saying, well, Justin, I can't be at the church all the time every day. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you're out at your job. When you're out with your family and your friends. Do they see you placing him first? If you're a father, does your child see you placing the Word of God as a priority in your day? Does your family see you praying? 
Does your family see you trying to help other people be outreach to this community? Does your family see that the character of Christ is flowing through you on a day-to-day basis? Or by doing this review, would I find that he is not the most important thing to you, but something else that is being worshipped on the altar of your life other than Jesus? Today, God is asking us to be honest with ourselves about our relationship with him. God is asking you today, point blank, do you love me? Do you love me? Turn with me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21 and verse 15. John chapter 21 verse 15. When you're there, say amen. Scripture says, When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to them, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. Verse 16, a second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time. Do you love me, he said. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 18. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, Follow me. Wow. This is a very, very awesome story in scripture you often ask scholars will debate this they'll say why did Jesus ask Peter three times well one thought is that Peter would deny him three times and I believe very emphatically that when this happened when Jesus when Peter denied Jesus three times when asked before he was crucified I believe that this moment was reflected in his mind I just denied my Lord and my Savior three times and I remember him asking me Three times did I love him. Well, the reason why Jesus asked Peter three times what did he love him was because, unlike the Greek, our English language is pretty limited in words, right? Love is a very broad word. When the Greek, Jesus was asking Peter, do you agape me? And Peter was replying back, yes, Lord, I phileo you. Saying, well, that means weird words. What are you saying? Agape means do you love me with an unconditional God-like love? And Peter was replying, yes, Lord, I love you like a friend and a brother. Jesus said, no, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter was saying, yes, Lord, I love you like a friend. You see how the disconnect is there? Peter wasn't responding the way that Jesus was demanding of him as a servant of God. He said, the love of God that he has for us is without condition. He doesn't love you because of your past. Thank God, right? He doesn't look at your past. He doesn't look at your actions. He loves you no matter what. That's the kind of love that God loves us with. And the only way we can love Him back with that kind of love is through Him. You can't do it in your own strength. 
You can't do this Christian walk in your own strength. Right, Brother Jeff? You have to do it through Him. Peter didn't get it. And I'm so glad that he finally did. You know, Patrick and I were talking about this morning when Peter was finally crucified upside down. I'm sure that's what he thought. He said, Father, I agape you. Father, I agape you. We must remember that if our relationship between God and ourselves is not where it should be, it isn't God's fault. It's our fault. God never changes. He's always faithful. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. It is us that is the problem. We must hold ourselves accountable. The next component of a healthy relationship with God is communication. Take the amount that you honestly communicate with God and imagine that this was the amount you communicated with your spouse and your best friend. Would they feel loved and appreciated? That's humbling, right? We are some needy folks. We like to feel loved. We like to feel appreciated. And if somebody doesn't talk to us often enough, we feel like that person doesn't love us. We feel like that person doesn't appreciate us. But ask yourself, if I talk to God, if I talk, sorry, if I talk to my spouse as much as I talk to God, would they even know that I'm even there? Would they even know that, what would they think about you if the only thing you talked to them about was what you needed? What can you do for me? What kind of relationship is that? Not a healthy one, right? Does the amount that you communicate with God reveal to Him that He alone is the most important person in your life? Or does it confirm to Him that He is nothing more than second best? In Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us about prayer and its importance. He taught us how to pray. He Himself would disappear from the disciples at many times to just to spend time in prayer. He is God in the flesh. And He took time to pray. How much more should we, right? Without communication with God, you will never know who He is or what His plans are for your life. Communication is a two-way street. It's a conversation. You commune with Him and He reveals to you. When's the last time you prayed to Him without asking for anything? When's the last time you just spent whatever time in the day just thanking Him for what He's done for you? I'm telling you folks, if you really thought about it, there's a lot to be thankful for. If you can find nothing else in your life, everything else seems to be going wrong, thank Him for saving you. Thank Him for giving the breath in your body that you were able to put both feet off that bed and actually walk and enjoy another day and enjoy His creation. That's enough blessing right there to shout, folks. Thinking that you're free to pray at your home without fears that your door's going to be bust down with, with guns blazing, that you don't have to worry about hiding your Bibles for fear of being persecution. You don't have to have just a piece of paper that you pass around that we would have to pass around for one another because you can't have the whole Bible in your hands. That's what our brothers and sisters around the world are having to do. There's so much to be thankful for. When's the last time you just took time to listen to his still, small voice? You know, people say, I don't hear his voice like I used to. I don't hear him like I used to. Prayer's just not the same like it used to be. When's the last time we just stopped speaking and started to listen? Too often when we pray, we just start blasting God with all these things that we need and that we just keep talking and talking and talking. 
he's saying, I'm trying to tell you, but you just won't listen. God, God doesn't interrupt you. He waits for you to stop and, and surrender to Him. Scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Amen. God gave us two ears and one mouth. We should listen twice as often as we speak. Lastly is commitment. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 32. When you're there, say amen. The Word of God says, Be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You are not to turn aside to the right or to the left. Follow the whole instruction the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live, prosper, and have a long life in the land you will possess. Chapter 6, verse 1. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you're about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all His statutes and commands. I am giving you your son and your grandson so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord the God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Verse 6, These words that I have given you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your head and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Wow. Verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. What does that mean to you? That is the first commandment, right? If we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, all else will follow, right? Because if you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to, all your other relationships are going to be in the right place. How God designed them. Your relationship with your spouse will get better. Your relationship with your, your work will get better. Your relationship with your family will get better. Why? Because when you love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, you start pursuing Him. You start to pursue His character. You start to read His Word. You start to meditate on it. It begins to change you. You begin to be changed by it. Because without, if you don't feel like you're changed, getting changed every day with the Word, there's something wrong. Because that's what it does. You never get to a point in your Christian life where you say, I've changed as much as I'm ever going to change. There's only one person perfect that ever walked this earth, and that's Jesus Christ. And one day you will be perfect like Christ, but that's not until He calls you home. But until that day, we just strive every day to be more and more like Him by reading His Word, by listening to Him, by communicating with Him, and finding out how and what in our life we can change to make our character more like Him. You can't do it by yourself. You have to allow Him to change you because He is the potter and we are the clay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Are you committed to Him? When I was thinking about what it means to be committed, truly committed to someone, the best example I can give is a marriage. 
July 11, 2015, I said my vows to Emily to be committed wholly and completely to her. Unconditionally, holding on to her as long as we both shall live. That's a powerful commitment. Despite what the world may say, that's a powerful commitment to make. Marriage means something, despite what the world may say. Marriage means something. Now imagine if every day, someone or something received that same intimacy, devotion, and priority other than Emily in my life. Imagine that. You think she would feel loved? What do you think about this? That if, if I, all I did when that happened was keep coming back to her and told her, said, sorry, love, for committing adultery today. I'm going to try to be better. She's shaking her head no. <laughs> but that's what we do to God. You're saying, no, whoa, that's powerful. God, I don't know if I do that. Think about this. Anytime that you give the devotion of your time your energy to something else that God demands first, you're giving what's His to somebody else. And when you said a prayer, Lord, save me, forgive me of my sins, become my Lord and my Savior, you signed a contract. A contract between you and a Heavenly Father. You made a covenant, to use an Old Testament term, a promise that your life is no longer yours, your will is no longer yours, your dreams, your ambition are no longer yours but God's. And any time you take that and you put your will, your desires, whatever, your job, your family, your spouse in His place, you're committing adultery. That's powerful. That's what a commitment means. Thankful, so glad that God loves me unconditionally. That despite however many times I've done that, he's right there with open arms. Saying, yes, I know, you keep hurting me, but that's okay. I love you anyways. That's what God's saying to us. Let's stop, keep coming back to God. Say, sorry God for misplacing my priorities today. And you can't do it in your own strength. We're all carnal. But you have to fight it. And the only way you can fight it is through His help. Help me, God, today to live every step and every way of my life to make it align with your word and get my priorities straight. He is worthy of so much more than that. Jesus is asking you today, do you love me? Do you agape me? What are you willing to do for him? What conditions have you set on your love for God? What box have you put God in? What have you said, God, I love you to this point. I love you as long as you let me do X, Y, and Z. What conditions have you placed? What is He worth to you? I'm going to close with a story. It's about this young girl in Asia in the around the 1970s. a true story. It's from it's a book called Jesus Freaks. It's about a book of martyrs. As I read this story, I want you to try and place yourself in this story and ask yourself, what would you do? The communist soldiers had discovered their illegal Bible study. Men with guns suddenly broke into their home. 
terrorizing the believers who had gathered there to worship. The communists shouted insults and threatened to kill the Christians. The leading officer pointed his gun at the pastor's head. Hand me your Bible, he demanded. Reluctantly, the pastor handed over his Bible, his prized possession, and with a sneer on his face, he threw the Word of God on the floor at his feet. He glared at the small congregation. We will let you go, he growled, but first you must spit on this book of lies. Anyone who refuses will be shot. Think about that. The believers had no choice but to follow the officer's order. A soldier pointed his gun at one of the men and said, You first. The man slowly got up, knelt by the Bible, and reluctantly he spat on it. He prayed, Father, forgive me. He stood up and walked out. The next thing they heard was the officer say, Okay, you. He pointed to a woman. The woman came forward in tears. She could barely do what the soldier demanded. She spit on it a little, but it was enough. She too was allowed to leave. Quietly, a 16-year-old girl came forward. Overcome with the love of her Lord, she knelt down, picked up the Bible, wiped off the spit with her dress. What have they done to your word? Please forgive them. She prayed. The communist soldier put his pistol to her head and pulled the trigger. Wow. What does he mean to you? That's more than religion. That's a relationship. That's more than tradition. That's more than just coming to church because it's what mom and daddy taught you should do. That's a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to do some internal evaluation today. And as Patrick and Jeff are going to come to the altar, here to receive anybody who needs prayer, I want you to ask yourselves, how is my relationship with God? Do I have a genuine, intimate relationship with Him? Or do I have just religion? Do I have something that is true, unconditional, or is He just an acquaintance to me? You say, Justin, my communication to Him has not been great. I too have been guilty of many times just asking Him what I need and telling Him what I need. I'm guilty of not placing Him as a priority in my life. If that's you, you say, Justin, that's me and I need help that can only come from Him. Just slip up your hand so that I can make my priorities better. Amen, I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. The Spirit of the Lord is here today, folks. If that's you and you're saying, I need help and I can't do it by myself, there are brothers and sisters that are willing to help you and pray with you here at this altar. This altar is open. If you say, I need prayer, I need, I need help, or I know someone in my life that needs help, stand in for them today. Get prayer. The altar is open for you. Or maybe you say, Justin, I don't know that Jesus. I don't know I don't have that relationship. And I need to know Him.
I, need to, I know I'm lost and in need of a Savior. And if I were to die right now, I know I wouldn't go to heaven. Folks, death has no respect of persons. It doesn't matter if you're one or 99, death will come for you. The question is, are you ready to meet Him? Are you ready to meet death with a certificate in your hand saying, I'm a child of the Most High God. You have no power over me. If that's you, say, Justin, I need a Savior. Just slip up your hands. Amen. I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that hand. Anyone else? If that's you, please repeat this prayer after me. Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I need your saving grace. Forgive me my sin. Cover me with your blood. I ask you to come in my heart. Become my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live my life for you from this now point now on now, forever. May my life be an example of you and lead others to your saving grace. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and help me to live each day after you and following after you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. You're no longer alone. You'll never have to walk another step alone. But you have a most high God is always with you. Thank you, folks. We're going to say a prayer to dismiss you. But before I do that, if there's someone here who is sick in their body or has someone that they know that needs prayer, or maybe you know there's a lost loved one that you need to pray for, this altar is open. I'm not going to end too early because God is still here speaking. If you can honestly say that everything in your life is okay and people in your life are okay, and that that's great. I hope you can say that. But if you think that you need, your, need God's help in reaching somebody in your life, we're here to pray with you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much that you died on the cross for our sins. That you loved us so much. You loved us unconditionally. Even though we didn't deserve you. Even though we deserve death. Father, you took that penalty for us. And Father, I'm so thankful that you didn't stay in that grave, but you rose victorious. Conquering death, hell, and the grave. Giving us life and life eternal. What a day that'll be, Father. When my Jesus I shall see. Father, I thank you for these precious people. I thank you for the families they represent. I pray that you be with them this week. As they are walking in their relationship with you. I pray that you help them. Give them the strength that only comes for you. Help us to grow Help us to surrender to you, to mold or make our lives into what you want it to be. We surrender our will, our ambition, and our desires to yours. Help us as we now enter the mission field, as we walk out these doors, reaching the lost for you, Father. Help us. Give us boldness. Give us a fire that cannot be hid, Father. We thank you and we praise you for your word. Grace and peace to all of us today. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.